You can be seated for a minute. I'm going to have you stand in a minute. We'll, we'll read. But I wanted to cover a couple things here as far as some family stuff. And the first is, if you didn't make it to our focus dinner, which is always a very fun time, you missed a few things. One of them is a survey, which is a small group survey. And we take these every year on a specific area just to get some feedback, get your input to help us be even, even more um, fruitful in what we're doing. So if you, haven't, if you didn't come and you haven't filled one of these out, they're at the Connection Desk or you can go to our Calvary Chapel South, South app and fill it out there. Secondly, we have this piece of paper right here that's our four, 2017 in review. It has some, some fun things the Lord's done, some pretty cool things. And on the back is a calendar for 2018. So if you can pick that up also at the Connection Desk or, uh, well, you got to get that one at the Connection Desk. And also, we videoed it. So if you want to watch in on it, it was fantastic. It's always very fun to get together and see what the Lord's done through the year, to thank Him for that and His blessings on our church. And we are certainly thankful to the Lord for all that He's doing. If you want to watch that video, it is online so you can see it. Now also, there are these uh, 2018 prayer cards. We, we, have, we collected 400 of them. And what we're doing on these is we stack them up 40 every Saturday. We, we give them to our, prayer, our, at our hour of prayer, and we actually pray over them individually, specifically, uh, privately. Little, little, everyone's sort of praying out loud a little bit. And so if you haven't filled one out, you can still do that. They're available at the Connection Desk. It's a prayer that you would have for 2018 or two prayers, and we'll, we'll be praying over that regularly. So 400, which is, I'm excited about that. Finally... Kind of. Um, I'm not done yet. Uh, this prayer card is for you if you would like to be involved and help us as far as at the tables. When I give a Jesus call after the messages, and then also for people coming over uh, that want prayer. And I'm just having in mind something that I want to share. Uh, yesterday, last night, as we were praying in our prayer huddle, uh, Mike, who's on the team, who's singing this morning, he was praying about if prodigals are coming to our service last night and today. And I felt like that was something that the Lord wants. If you're a prodigal, meaning you've no, you know the Lord, but you've walked away, you've been doing other things, got really distracted from following him and, and living for him, I want to say to you, I believe a word from the Lord is that God loves you, and he's, just want, he's waiting like the, like the father of the prodigal son. He loves you, and he's wanting to embrace you again this morning. So if that's you this morning, that's all I want to say to you. The Lord wants you to know that and that you haven't come. Uh, he's waiting for you. And, the, and I would encourage you after we finish our service, you can go to one of those tables and just come back to the Lord this morning and let him embrace you again. Can you hear any men on that? So if you would like to be involved in our prayer team, either Saturday night or Sunday, and all you're going to do is go over that table and pray for people, then this card is on that table, and we would like to enhance that group by more people being involved with that. So if that's... if you if if you've known the Lord a long time or you haven't known him very long at all, you can still join people in praying, bringing them to the Lord in prayer. Amen? Okay, so. We're, we're talking about 2018 is our year of prayer. So at the Focus Dinner, we did a video. The staff did a video on how not to pray. So if you were not here for the Focus Dinner... If you were, you're going to see it again. We're going to show that just for a little fun uh, transition into standing and reading. So here is the video from the Focus Dinner. 
It's instructional, okay? So you're here to learn how not to pray. Jesus, take the wheel. Take it from my hands. Yes, Lord. Take it, Lord. Well, hey there, good looking. God, thank you for my immaculate eyebrows. Man, I just don't have time to pray. Alexa, pray for me. I will keep you in my thoughts. I don't think she's a believer. God, we're thankful for this bank, this opportunity. We're praying that you would just make it full of cash. Amen. And Lord, blind the eyes of justice. Just Amen. give us mercy, God. Amen. In Jesus' name, everybody say it. Amen. Let's do this thing. Hurry back, you guys. God bless and be safe. Dear Santa, I mean, dear Jesus, I've been really good this year. Please give me one of these 4K Ultra HD TVs. I've been really good. You can check. You can check twice. Please, Lord. Lord, bless this food to my body. May it nourish my soul. May this Burger King fill your temple with joy. One fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. Please, Lord, hear me. Grant my new wish. Amen. No! Hi, Trisha. It's Rosalind. Hi, Rosalind. You would not believe what I just saw. I just saw Betty Sue get in a car with a man who is not her husband. Wow. We need to pray right now. But let's make it quick because I need to call Lindsay next. The way you load the dishwasher is wrong. No, it's not. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. Lord, would you please show her that she is wrong? Lord. Would you please reveal to Tommy that he's being a jerk? Amen. Amen. Dear Lord, I know I am persuaded it's never your will that I should have to sit in traffic. Therefore, annihilate these drivers and part this sea of cars in front of me. Lord, forgive me for what I'm about to do. <laughs> Now, <laughs> you understand that's how not to pray, amen? So, would you stand, Acts chapter one, uh, 3, I'm going to read verses 1 through 10, and then we'll, I want to give to you the things that I've received from the Lord this morning. So, Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, here we go. Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried... Whom they lay daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who enter the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. 
in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Lord, we, we want to be struck with wonder and amazement at what you have you've done in our lives and what you want to do through our lives. So, Lord, as we look at this whole topic of giving what we have, please, Lord, help us to live our lives out in the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit, that we would be your witnesses in our in our those spheres of influence you've given to us, that our lives, Lord, would radiate our relationship with you, please. And so, Lord, as we're looking at hearing and responding, speak to us. We want to hear. Give us ears to hear that we would not only be hearing, but then responding to you in obedience to the things that you've put on our hearts. Holy Spirit, we give you full range today in our hearts. Speak to us. Draw us to yourself. Give us those guidances and those convictions and, Lord, those corrections that we need so desperately. And, Lord, we also, as believers, pray for anyone here who does not know you, that today might be their day of salvation. Work, I pray, through your word in bringing the the awareness of their need for you, your love for them, and the simplicity of the gospel that can save them for all eternity. Please, Lord, work in us this morning, by your word, through your spirit, in Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. You can be seated. So yesterday in our hour of prayer, as we're focusing in, in the book of Acts, lots of different um, themes in the book. It's given to us as the template for how the church is to operate. So you want to look at the book of Acts, not church history. Church history is full of problems and bad, bad uh, examples. So God gave us the book of Acts as our manual for what the church is supposed to look like. And there's a lot of themes that we'll, that we'll be hitting. But the main thing we want to do in the book of Acts is talk about the prayer life of the church. Now, in the New Testament, there's only, there's, the book of Acts is second to only one other book as far as the amount of times that prayer is either spoken about directly or there's prayers that we're hearing. Over 50 times in the book of Acts, we, see, we, we read about prayer. The only book that is more, has more is the Gospel of Luke, which is Luke, the same guy that wrote this, Dr. Luke. He was a physician, and he was giving to us the uh, humanity of Jesus, his main theme. The four Gospels have different things they focus on. Luke was focusing on the humanity of Jesus, so it's interesting that in Luke's accounts, in the book of Luke, 60 plus times he's talking about prayer, and a lot of times it's about Jesus' prayer life, and I say if, I, if Jesus had to pray, I need to pray. Can I hear an amen? He was the perfect human being. He prayed, staying in fellowship with his father, getting up early at times, all night at other times, to pray and spend time with his heavenly father. And so how much more do we need to be people who pray? So with that in mind, yesterday our hour of prayer, it was It was special. When after it was all over, Kathy Sacconi, who has been in Cyprus for, uh, had been in Cyprus for two weeks with Greg Parker, when the prayer meeting was over, she came over to me and said, what happened the last two weeks while I was gone? And if some of you were at the prayer meeting, 
it had a vibrancy to it. It was just a special time of prayer together that we experienced. And so I thought, yeah, I, I harmonize with that. And so did a couple other in the room. And so I believe that the Lord is moving in our church in the area of hearing and responding to God in prayer. And it's exciting to see that. So what came to mind when she asked me that and said, what happened? I said, well, not a whole lot, but here's what did happen. Every week, we're standing after the service to say, Lord, this week, I'm going to give you, I'm going to make time to spend, it, spend time with you in your word and in prayer. And it struck me that if it's happening on that individual level, for which we need constant reminders, can I hear an amen? It's so easy. The devil does not want us in the word of God. The devil does not want us praying. He wants to separate us as much as he can through distractions and busyness. And, and he, he is, he's a master at it. We are no match for him unless we say to the Lord, we need you. You've given to us of your Holy Spirit. I know it's important. God doesn't make, want us in the word and prayer for his sake. It's for our sake. We need to be hearing from him and in prayer responding to the things that are on our hearts. So as we're doing this each week, and we're going to continue to do it, end our service in some way of saying to the Lord, okay, this week... I'm going to at least read Acts chapter 4 for next week. I'm going to do my devotional, and I'm going to spend some time with you. And you know, the Lord will take us along with that. So maybe it's five minutes. It's five minutes more than it was maybe three weeks ago. Maybe it's five now, but the Lord will increase that. And I'll talk about that a little bit in, in the study this morning. So would you amen that with me? The Lord, if he can be working in, the individual, in our individual lives, it's going to impact our church, our family here when we gather. It is going to do that, and do not doubt that. It will happen. It will happen. So I'm excited. I, I sense the Lord speaking to us. I sense the Lord moving among us. In fact, something else that happens, if you weren't at the focus dinner, uh, on that last Saturday's prayer meeting, the hour of prayer, what was on my heart in my devotional time before that, when I went to it, was the word impossible. And I, I was thinking of some scriptures Jesus said three times in the Gospels, with men it's impossible, with God all things are possible. And so I, I had that on my heart. I came to the prayer meeting. I said, you know, how can we practically see God answering the impossible? And we kicked around some ideas. So that's what's on my mind, that God is the God of the impossible. He can do the impossible things that we think of us. So I asked I'll ask you, i ask the focus there. What's on your mind this morning that you feel is impossible? I mean, it's an interesting question. Who do I think is impossible? Now, someone's thinking about you as I ask that question. <laughs> I believe with all my heart that God wants to show us that he can answer our prayers for the impossible. So I go to the prayer meeting. And I'm thinking this through. I go back to my office to prepare for the last, last week's study. And I get a knock on the door. And it's Pastor John. He comes into my office. And the first sentence he said was talking about that God is the God of the impossible. And I said, wow. This is the Lord speaking to us. He wants to do the impossible. And, and John was going out of Daniel chapter 2. When Nebuchadnezzar had that whole dream. And he said, okay, to, his, to all of his, uh, you know, spiritual counselors, 
He said, I want you to tell me the interpretation of the dream. They said, well, just tell us what the dream is. He said, no, no, I'm not going to do that. You tell me what the dream was and then interpret it for me. And they're going, well, that's ridiculous. You need to tell us the dream and then we'll interpret it. He said, no. And so he starts getting rid of some of these spiritual leaders. Daniel hears about it, comes to him, says, now, hold on a second. Would you give us a couple days? Because I'm going to gather my friends together and we're going to pray and we're going to ask God, the God of heaven, to give us. And God gave him the dream, showed him the dream. And then he went and he talked to Nebuchadnezzar and gave him the interpretation dream. Now, let me tell you, if someone were to say to me, tell me my dream and tell me the interpretation, I'd say, well, that's impossible. And that's what was on John's heart from the Lord. So I am excited and I believe that this year we are going to see God build into our lives a consistency personally in time in the word and prayer. And that's going to happen as we just say every week, okay, Lord, it's another week. Let me take this sometime, in fact, not take, make time to spend it with you. Because in doing that, it will revolutionize our lives. It will clarify the purpose that, for which we're here. It will give clarity, as I'll talk about a little bit in, in my study. It will give clarity to the things that are happening to me every day. That's what God wants to do. He wants to be our leader. He wants to be our, but through the Holy Spirit, the power that we need and the guidance that we need and the instruction that we need. And I could go on and on and we might never get to the text. So I'll leave it there. Okay. Now, this is this, I, like, I want to read something to you because it, it fits with this study and the next one. This is a summary of Os Hillman, and he has this, uh, he's been doing it for years. It's TGIF, not thank God it's Friday, but today God is first, TGIF. And he sends out these little devotionals. You can go online and, and find it and sign up for them. So this is one that I read several years ago. It was in 2006. And he wrote something, like, this is a summary of it. When is the last time God did something in your work life? Because his, his thank, this, uh, today God is first is to the workplace. All those Christians are out in the workplace. And so he says, when is the last time God did something in your work life that came, can only be explained as God? When was the last time? Was it yesterday? Was it last week, a month ago, a year ago? Are you trusting him such that it requires faith? Are you willing to risk enough for God to show himself? The early church changed the world they lived in because of what they saw and heard. They were not just hearing what they were taught. They were living out the power of the gospel. This manifested power drew people to Christ. Things happened that could not be explained as anything other than the activity of God. Is that the kind of faith you are experiencing in your life? He writes this. Many, many of us live a wholesome moral life, but those we associate with do not see this activity as anything that cannot also be achieved by themselves. In other words, living a moral life doesn't necessarily mean the power of God and a transformed life, a saved life. This is why many are not drawn to our lives. God's power is not evident. The Lord would challenge us to trust him at levels we have never trusted before. God wants to show himself in ways you and I cannot imagine. Let God demonstrate his power in your workplace. Then you will see all men drawn to Jesus. So this, this first eight chapters of Acts is hearing and responding. We will be focusing on prayer. So we looked at waiting with great anticipation, Acts chapter 1. We looked at hearing from our wonderful God, Acts chapter 2. This morning, the title I've given is Giving What You Have. And let me give you my outline. This won't be on the screen. 
because I'm not going to focus in on this, but I divided this chapter up into four sections. Number one, verses one through five, these men were living for Jesus. They were living for Jesus, verses one through five. Secondly, verse six, Jesus was living in them. Can you hear an amen? Jesus was living in them. Then in verses seven through 16, Jesus was working through them. No greater thing. Someone said the greatest capacity of man is to contain God. No, the greatest capacity of man is to be a channel through whom God can work, an instrument of God's power and work that he wants to do. And then the final section for me was Jesus was everything to them, everything. And when you hear sermons, it's all about Jesus in verses 13 through 26. They were instruments, they were inspired, they were involved in daily life, and they were indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. Makes all the difference. So they were living for Jesus, verses one through five. They were involved in daily living. How were they involved? Notice verse one. They went up to the temple at the hour of prayer. And by the way, the hour of prayer followed the hour of sacrifice. It's interesting to me that they went to the hour of prayer, but not the hour of sacrifice, because sacrifice is no longer needed now. So the, they came to the hour of prayer. And it's also interesting to me, they were keeping these Jewish customs. They were going at the hour of prayer to pray, just like they did, because they were Jewish. That's who the audience was they, they preached to. They were Jewish. So the first thing that I would put for you and for me, give what you have, give your time to pray every day. Just spoke all about that. Don't need to say more. Give your time to pray every day. And then secondly, it says in verse 2, there's a certain lame man from his mother's womb. They looked. So first of all, they were involved in daily prayer. Secondly, they were involved in daily living. So they come upon this, this man, this lame man, who had been there for a long time. And they see him. And they began to be involved as the Holy Spirit was prompting them in this man's life. Listen, daily prayer is a powerful forerunner for daily living for Jesus. Daily prayer is a powerful forerunner for daily living for Jesus. Start the day with prayer, live the day with purpose. Start the day with prayer, live the day with purpose. We have a little thing on our wall in our kitchen. A day hemmed in prayer seldom becomes unraveled. A day hemmed in prayer seldom becomes unraveled. So they were involved in daily prayer, but they also were giving their eyes to find everyday opportunities. That's number two. Give your eyes to find everyday opportunities. In other words, there are opportunities all before us. Look for them. Seek them out. Have continual communion with Jesus through the Holy Spirit and say, okay, what's going on? You see, because every day they saw this guy, but this day was different. You know, we can get really caught up in the mundane, everyday thing and never get outside of the daily routine. And we need to as believers. It's exciting to live that way and to be aware of that. Opportunities are like sunrises. If you wait too long, you miss them. And that's the case. The sun rises there are opportunities for us that are rising every day for us. I like what Benjamin Franklin said. He, fit, he said this, to succeed, jump as quickly at opportunities as you do at conclusions. To succeed, jump as quickly at opportunities as you do at conclusions. Man, we jump to conclusions immediately. Hey, 
the same thing. And then Winston Churchill. Have you seen The Darkest Hour? Difficulties master are opportunities won. Difficulties mastered are opportunities won. That's a great quote. There's difficulties, yes, but you take them on as opportunities and something happens in our growth. Now, this is interesting. The lame man wanted to be supported in the condition that he was in. That's what he's looking for. Alms. God wanted to completely change his condition. And he used Peter and John to do it. It is not the church's business in this world to simply make the present condition more bearable. The great commission of the church is to see the world change, see people's lives change because of our lives in theirs. And so that's what God wants to do. He doesn't want to make people more comfortable. He wants to completely transform their lives through our lives as believers. So they're living for Jesus. They're involved in daily prayer. They're looking for daily opportunities. Jesus was living in them, verse 6. It says there that when they they go to the name of Jesus, their relationship with Jesus was what he came with. Jesus was living in them. They were indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You see, it's not what they didn't have. It's what they did have. What do we have as believers? We have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He lives in us. He wants to live through us. And that is an exciting place to be living. They had a divine appointment. Now, I have found divine appointments, though they are scheduled by God, I usually don't know about them. They just happen. And you never know when they're going to come. But this was a divine appointment scheduled by God. The normal everyday routine was broken up by the Holy Spirit in Peter and John, seeing this man, looking for that opportunity. And in, in doing that, they began to see God had an appointment for them with a man who had been there for a long time, which is interesting to me also because they had the lame man's attention. I find if I give people my attention, they'll give me their attention back. It's said of Billy Graham that when you were with him in the room, it was like no one else was there. He gave them people his full attention. So fixing his eyes on, he said, look at us. Peter gave the man his full attention. Jesus did the same thing often. He gave them his attention. He got their attention and he ministered to them powerfully. Attention is a very precious commodity. I think we need to trade with it regularly. And so we want to be giving people our full attention. Give them our full attention. The greatest gift you can give another is the purity of a full attention to them. It's a powerful thing to give anyone, especially those who need help. And we give them our full attention. Now, remember this. At any time and in every place, we have God's full attention all the time. So whatever the situation, whatever the circumstance, he ha- we have his full attention for us. So he said, look at us. Looking for money, not a miracle. God gave this man a miracle. The, the, the full, his, his full healing. So a question I have for you. If Jesus is living in you, does he have your full attention? Have you been attending church for years? 
but your life is hardly any different than when you first started? The question I have is, why is that? Could it be because you've never given God your full attention? Do you come expecting to receive from God? Old or young or anywhere in between, we can so mindlessly turn off our brains when we sit down to hear the word of God. We can so readily start thinking of all kinds of other things when we go to pray. Have you found that? We can so quickly make every excuse when God called us to obey. We can so easily make exceptions when God has convicted us to give out of our abundance. That's why Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Because it can go in one ear and right out the other. Does God have our full attention? I have found whatever I focus my attention on will become important to me, even though it may not be important to begin with. I know this is important, but I'm not doing it. I know in my mind. God wants to take it from my mind to my heart. How? I've got to give God my full attention. And I want to give God my full attention. So give your full attention to God and others. That's what we can give. Now, Jesus living in them, they believed that they had something to give. Now, you may look at your, your poor material substance and think, I don't have a whole lot I can do. Hold on a second. Let's, let's get the perspective correct here. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Then you have something so much more valuable than anything silver or gold could ever buy. Now, the minute he had this attention, Peter, through the faith given to him, saw he had that. He lifted him up, and he was immediately healed. And Dr. Luke gives us, in Greek, if you're reading it, it's, it's a detailed account of what happened to his ankle bones, his strength, and he rose up, and he's walking and leaping and praising God. I say, wow, that is exciting. Why? Because they had a relationship with Jesus Christ. By the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Because of their relationship with Jesus, that that faith came to see in this lame man, he had faith. The same thing happened with Paul and Barnabas when they were at Lystra. They come into the Lystra, they see this lame man, they perceive he had faith, they lift him up, he gets saved, I mean, he gets healed right there. God does that. He will give us the faith. Pastor Chuck Smith, one time, God led him, gave him that same faith, gave him that same sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. And he actually lifted a guy who was lame out of a wheelchair. And the man was healed miraculously. So what happens? Well, Pastor Chuck's the healer. <laughs> so here comes another person, not the same night, but another time later. Here comes another guy in a wheelchair, came up to ask for healing. And Pastor Chuck did not sense having the faith that, he was, that God was going to heal him. And so he didn't touch him. And I think that's a very wise thing. If God is going to use us, he is going to give us the faith. He's going to give us that understanding. He's going to give us that intuition to understand that this is something that we're to do. And if not, I say, hands off. It's not for our glory. It's for God's glory. And so if he's the one doing it, we know it. And unless that's there, I say, don't go there. That's why some of these men that claim to be faith healers, I'm saying, if that's the case and you're the, you're the big healer, then why aren't you going to hospitals and raising them all up? And you know, as I do, if you've known the Lord much at all, you know that there's a lot of shysters that are going around as, as, as healers. And if you aren't healed, well, it's not them. It's your problem of faith. I have a theological term for that. You want to hear it? 
It's baloney. <laughs> that is baloney. God's, that's not God. God wants to do in our lives things that he will enable us through faith. And it's because we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. And I have silver and gold, but what I do have, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you out of my relationship with Jesus Christ something that's going to change your life. It's going to change you. If all we have is silver and gold, we really have little to offer of any lasting value. But having Jesus, and so this is what I thought. Give your faith full expression. Give your faith full expression. We have the faith, hope, and love that Jesus gives us. We have that. We have the care, the compassion, the courage, and the strength that Jesus gives us. We have peace. We have comfort. We have a wholeness that Jesus has given us. And this is what we then, these are the riches of Christ. These are the unsearchable riches that are ours because we have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And we can give these things to others, give full expression to our faith. What is our faith all about? It's about faith and hope and love and care and compassion and courage and strength and peace and comfort and wholeness, wholeness. Oh, we got, we got holes in our, in our life. We got problems in life, but we are complete in him. We're not lacking anything now because we have God in our lives. We're right with him. We're walking along with him. And if in him is all the fullness of Christ, that's ours. And we have those things to give to others. Give full expression of your faith. Jesus gave people hope and healing and forgiveness. Moses gave Joshua the strength and courage to believe God for the faith that he, for the calling he had on his life. Be strong and courageous. Eli gave Hannah a word of promise and assurance when she was so distraught about not having to be able to have a child. And Eli comes along and says, the Lord's going to grant that to you. Jonathan gave David, powerful thing, a devoted friendship. A devoted friendship. That trumps any, I shouldn't use that word. I, I, I don't want to. <laughs> that is far su superior to anything that you might give out of your wallet. When you give of your heart to someone in a devoted friendship, that's what our relationship with Jesus Christ has called us to. Ruth gave Naomi her commitment as a daughter-in-law. Boaz gave Ruth a covering of love and commitment, marriage. Elijah gave the widow a full supply of faith for food and oil. Elijah gave Elisha a double portion of his spirit. Paul gave Timothy, I love this one. Paul gave Timothy an example to follow. Those are the things that have substance. Those are the things that make a difference. In the Darkest Hour, that movie by Winston Churchill. How many of you have seen it? I encourage you to see it. It's powerful. He received courage. This is, I didn't know this about the story. Winston Churchill, who was called to be the prime minister, replacing Chamberlain because it was not going well for Great Britain at this time in World War II. So they replaced him with Winston Churchill, who had some baggage in his past. A lot of people, a lot of the main political guys didn't like him a whole lot. But here Winston Churchill steps into this position. And they're, they're trying to decide. The leaders, the political leaders, a lot of them in Great Britain at that time in the, war, in the war, were saying, we need to go and negotiate a peace settlement with Germany. And Winston Churchill, no, we can't do that. Because they're not going to, they might say one thing, but they're going to do complete. So he's not wanting to get, well, a lot of these political leaders are wanting him to make, to go into this uh, 
to talks with a, for a peace agreement with Nazi Germany, who had them almost defeated, Great Britain. So Winston Churchill's battling this thing. He decides to, he's in a car, he gets out of the car in the middle of Great Britain, and he goes into the subways. And he's on the subway, and all the normal people are on the subway. You know, all those, just the citizens of Great Britain. And they start to recognize it's Winston Churchill. And so he starts interacting with them, and finally says to them, what do you think? Should we surrender? Should we go to a peace agreement? And everyone said, no way, no way. We're not going to do that. We're not going to surrender. That changed Winston Churchill's whole approach. It was in his heart, but he got the strength and the courage to do what he wanted to do from the normal everyday people that he saw on the subway. He went back and he gave that famous speech, we will never surrender. We will fight in our waterways. We'll fight in our streets. We're going to, we're never. And it changed the whole, imagine that. He changed the whole course of what was possibly coming up with, with Germany in World War II. See, it's the same. We have these things in knowing Christ that we can begin to encourage each other and help each other and others for us in this whole thing of impossible, praying the impossible. There are going to be times when I'm going to believe for you. There will be times you need to believe for me in these impossible things. And that's what the body of Christ is about. That's what it's all about, Alfie. <laughs> God wants to take these things and give full expression to our faith by passing on some of these things. So let me ask you a final question in this, in this particular point. Who has had more impact on your life? Has it been those who've helped you materially or those who've helped you spiritually? Simple answer. Simple. And that's what we're talking about here. Paul understood it. He said, if we've sown your, you know, you've sown materially, we've sown spiritually. And he compared. I said, what's, I mean, there's no comparison. So Jesus wanted to work through them. He took them by the right hand, lifted them up. See, God's work is through our willingness. God's power is through people. And that's what we have. That's what we've been given, as we see in this story. It wasn't something Peter did on a whim, as I already talked about. He leaping up, praising God. So here's the thing that I want to hit on this particular area. They were instruments in God's hands. God uses human instruments. He's got no others. <laughs> he uses human instruments. God chooses the instruments that he uses. So we can't take glory for that. He chooses the instruments that he will use. God also, man wants to exalt the instrument. That's what man wants to do. So when we are used by the Lord, it's really important, as here with ourselves, to not imagine that it's our power or our piety. It's not. It's God. And so they say, hey, don't stare at us. Those We're so wonderful. Do you ever think you're really wonderful? God has ways of making sure that we understand, yes, he loves us, but we're not so wonderful in many ways. Don't stare at us as though we're so great. This is not, this has to do because I know Jesus. That's why. That's why this is happening because he, I know him and that's what's made the difference in my life. I had major surgery done several years ago. Some of you were here at the time. 
I had an infection in my, in my upper sinus here. So they did what they call a frontal sinus obliteration. I had got it, and they tried to go up through my nose and fix it, and it deadened half my face, and it was just this hor- horrific thing that I went through. And so finally, they had to do this frontal sinus obliteration, which means they had to cut my head, my skin, peel my face down, open up my skull, take some fat from my side here, put it into my head. So that's why I'm a fathead. And, and, and this surgery, I mean, I, I was out two months. It was, it was horrible. But I'll tell you what, it completely solved the problem. In fact, it did more than that. It did more than I thought because I've always had sinus problems. I can, I don't know if I, the wonderful thing is I can blow my nose out. Now, I, for years, I thought it was just normal to always have a clogged nose. Well, they did this whole thing and, anyway. Let me tell you something. When I, that surgery was done and I started to see what happened. I didn't begin to praise the scalpel. Oh, scapel, you're so wonderful. No, no. I praise the Lord. I praise the physician, the surgeon. He's the one who took that instrument and skillfully did what he needed to do and, and healed me. Brothers and sisters, I know you understand this, but we need to give glory to God. That's what it is. Give God all the glory for whatever he's doing as his instruments what he's wanting to do in us. We all need loving attention. We all need people who pay attention to us. But there are times when seeking attention can be hazardous to your spiritual life. Having said that, I think it's important that we not over-spiritualize things superficially. When someone is thanking you for something you've done, be careful that your only response is not, oh, it's the Lord, it's not me. Make sure you say thank you and make sure you thank the Lord as you do because that's just normal. In other words, people come and they thank me for the message. I say thank you. I love the word of God. I love it and I do. But to say, oh, well, it's not me, it's the Lord. Hold on a second. In studying, I just spent 20, 25 hours a week preparing. I was working at that. You've done something of Open your wallet, maybe giving them something. You've taken time to spend time with someone, and they thank you. Well, it's not me, it's the Lord. Now, hold on a second. It's you and the Lord. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to what please you. We are a partner, we're a partner with God. And if it wasn't for us yielding and letting him use us, it wouldn't have gotten done through us. So I think there's a place for honest appreciation and honest response and say, thank you, I appreciate that, and I do. And so do you. But when someone says, well, it's not me, it's the Lord, it, it, it's almost like, okay, what do I do with that? Are you with me on that? Listen to this little story. One day, the minister visited a hardworking farmer who was in his congregation. The minister marveled at the change in the farm from dilapidated buildings and poor, worn-out land to modern, brightly painted buildings and rich, abundant cropland. Mr. Bill, said the minister, the Lord and you have certainly worked wonders with this farm. Yes, replied the farmer, but you should have seen the place when the Lord had it by himself. (laughs) Give give God all the glory. What, What do we do? Give God all the glory. My final thought, Jesus was everything to them. 
And as you read verses 13 through the end, it's all about Jesus. And here's my final thought. Give everyone something, parenthesis, someone, to think about, and that's Jesus. We can give everyone something to think about in our relationship with Christ, that we know him, and they leave having been having time with us, and they're thinking about something that they weren't thinking about when they left. And our desire is that they think about Jesus. As you look at that, those final verses, think about God. Think about your guilt. Think about the witnesses to the resurrection. Think about the miracle that you just witnessed. Think about the ignorance that you did it under. And that also is an interesting thing. That whole idea of you did it in ignorance is not easy to interpret because it's difficult to know exactly what it might be saying. So some of these scholars have said, you didn't understand the meaning of what you were doing. You did it in ignorance. You didn't understand the meaning or the significance of what happened. What happened? They unwittingly took part in the central act of God's plan of salvation. Unwittingly. In other words, they didn't understand the meaning. They understood what they were doing. They were crucifying this man who had no sin. His words and his works testified that he was the Messiah. They knew that, understood that, but they killed him anyway. You crucified the prince of life. You killed him. Guilty as charged, but they did it not understanding that it was God's determination. It would happen, and it happened through them. And there's a distinct change in the, in the sermon that Peter's preaching. He's graciously now saying, you did it, but God's grace is still extended to you. And it's the same thing for us and the same thing for anyone. No matter what their condition might be, no matter what they've done, God's grace has extended them if there, are, if, if there is repentance. And that's the final thought here. We want them to leave as not a believer thinking about repentance and conversion. Thinking about repentance and conversion. That's the gospel. So every week at this time in our service, I'm going to ask you believers, please, to bow your heads and pray. Because I want to make sure that every time we gather, that people have an opportunity to come to Jesus Christ and receive this wonderful thing called a relationship with him. That your sins might be blotted out, erased. So as we're praying, there are three things I'm going to ask you to do. One, just to raise your hand, acknowledging that you want to be saved today. Secondly, I'm going to ask you to stand because Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. It's very important. It's your decision, the most important decision you'll ever make. So one, just to raise your hand so I can acknowledge you. Secondly, just to stand. And third, just to walk to the side to one of these tables where there'll be people there that will pray with you and lead you through a, a prayer to God that you know you're a sinner. You know you're guilty before God. You do not have the peace of God that gives you the assurance that when you die, you know that you're going to heaven. You're going to pray those things. You're going to ask for forgiveness with them. And then through sincere repentance and confession of Jesus as Lord and asking God to forgive you, you will be receiving the Holy Spirit, new life. You'll be a new creation in Christ. And you will leave today with a dimension of life that you never knew but you will know it today. So as we're praying, if that's you, you'd like to get right with God this morning, would you just slip up your hand so that I can see that? Keep it up for a moment because I want to acknowledge you. Most important decision you'll ever make, we know that. We know there's a battle that goes on for your soul right now. God loves you. He's called you 
by name. He knows you intimately. He's saying, I want to forgive you, but it's your choice. He wants that relationship with you, but it's your choice. So we're praying. If that's you, just another couple of minutes. If that's you and you're wrestling right now, I'm going to ask you, just get that hand up. And in obeying God, you will have the peace that passes all understanding. You will know you're doing what, you're, what you must do with your life. So just lift it up. I'm, I'm looking. We're praying. God, move among us. Move in your heart. And as we continue now, we're going to sing this last song. I again want to say to you who might be a prodigal today with us, God wants you to know he knows your name. He knows where you've been. He's waiting for you this morning to make that move and say, Lord, I'm back. I want to be back home. And if that's you after the service, if you, you just make your way to one of those tables, someone will pray for you about that too. But so in closing, now we're going to be staying seated as the song begins. And what we want to do is this week say to the Lord, I'm going to make time to read my Bible. I'm going to make time to spend some time in prayer with you because I know that you desire that for me and I know that I need that from you. So as we sing, I'll come back up and close in prayer. Let's go to the last song.